You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds? Where it's the same year, and you're the same person, but everything else is different. And what if you can't find your way home? Welcome back for another issue of Imagine If, and guess what? It's not just another issue. It's a giant size special edition. Put all the reprints in it. Clip show, whatever you want to call it, but it's that magical number. 150. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the kind that you can't take home to mom because she already knows it's a filled with 150 reasons why she can't check it out. The best kind of things that you look at in the dark or in the day, regardless of what it is, because it is your own personal gateway into that magic number 150. You know who you sounded like right now when Who'd you I said sound? all that? You sounded like Jack Burton. Really? <laughs> from from uh, Big Trouble Little China. Yeah. I just need you to be at the end and be like, that's what Jack Burton always says. That is what Jack Burton always says. Who's Jack Burton? Uh, he is. No, the, you're supposed to say me. I'm Jack. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I haven't seen Big Trouble Little China in so long. It's okay. We'll my edit my this favorite episode. quote from that movie, though, is definitely after they go, go through like the, the river scene, like underneath the sewers, uh-huh. and everyone's like, nobody's paying attention to him. And he just kind of walks through all wet. It's all right, everybody. I'm here now. <laughs> that part always cracks you know, me up. Okay, I know we're getting off, off topic, but there is a comic book that ties into the movie. <laughs> that is true. Uh, you know, the best thing about that movie is that he is the, the, the typical white hero for the action movie of that time yep but he is not the hero of that movie like he is the star he's kurt russell and like people came to the movie to see kurt russell but he does everything wrong yep he gets captured he the one cool thing he does is when he catches the knife and throws it back at the dude yes that's awesome that's the but only thing he, he does. is he is the not a good hero moves forward without him yeah, exactly and he does not understand that <laughs> <laughs> it is everything against of what the the typical uh, hero of a action movie would do, but it's it's such a good movie. Okay, back to issue <laughs> one fifty of Imagine If. That's right. We've been doing this for hundred and fifty issues. We've added people. We've lost people. We've seen galaxies <laughs> die and <We've> created <laughs> distant worlds. Some lived, some died. That's right. Yeah, a whole bunch of Azrael here I, and there, and I, a whole I, bunch of Green Arrow <laughs> all over the place. Do you remember the, that issue where uh, Andy Monitor came and sat down with us? Who? The anti-monitor? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought you said Eddie Molina. Oh, like, yeah. Who's Eddie Molina? Yeah, you know Eddie Molina? <laughs> no. Oh, uh, yeah, when the anti-monitor is like... Oh, you don't like Earth 4? Gone. (laughs) (laughs) Earth S, gone. (laughs) Uh, But yes, today we have uh, myself, Chris, Rafa, and Sam is joining us again. Oh, your microphone's not on. (laughs) (laughs) Let's try that again. Hello, everybody. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely should have checked that before we started recording. Either way, uh, yeah, so we don't have a particular 101 or a particular challenge today. We're going to talk about 150s, issue 150s. I mean, doesn't seem like a milestone like 100 would be or 200 or uh, 1,000 as we're getting to now. But, you know, honestly, like, I don't know, 25 as a comic book collector, it, at least in my, my, my realm, I've always 
every 25th was something. Mm-hmm. Like issue 25 was a big one. Issue 50 was a big one. 75. So to me, with 150 being a multiple, it's always been great. Like 150 has been a spectacular issue. I think why we've lost sight of it, though, is because nobody makes it past like 60. Exactly. You know? You're like, oh, man. Yeah, it's I true. mean, if we get to 24 issues or 25 issues, well, that's, that's amazing. That's two, yeah, years. two yeah. years. Yeah. Uh, I mean, unless you start doing two, uh, two a month. Yeah. But, but well, and that's why, like, like, you know, talking about the elephant in the room, like Tom King's Batman run is so unique. It is really unique. <laughs> and also, besides that, it's also the whole idea that when we talk about issues of like 150, 150 is one oh, of those sorry. things where you really, really look at it as like the magic of storytelling. And what I mean by that is the whole idea of when we're talking about issues 200s, 300s, those big milestones. Sometimes when you're reading a comic, you don't know what you expect, and you find the magic. Yes. And the magic might be in something as minuscule, something small. And to me, 150, though, might yeah might not be considered a milestone to some people, even though I do agree with you, Chris. I do think it's very important with the 25s. At the same time, this is where you find some of the magic sometimes. Because 150 is not a weird number, but it is one of those definitive half points. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So uh, when we get to it, after we, t- we talk about Spinner Rack, we will definitely be talking about some of our favorite 150 issues. All right, well, no better way to celebrate 150 podcast episodes with New Comic Book Day. So if you're at your local comic shop, here are some things to watch out for. Coming at you from DC Comics, Batman 79 will be out. This continues the famous Tom King run of City of Bane. So we're going to see a lot of action there picking up. Uh, This one's going to be a fun one. Now, this one may or may not be available at your shops, but just keep an eye out. Batman Nightwalker, the graphic novel as part of the Batman Day 2019 specials. Um, Obviously, this Wednesday, they're going to elect to make that Batman Day. So some stores will have some things if they participate or not. Batman Who Laughs will also be getting a number one reprint for the Batman uh, Batman Day for 2019. So oh. that was a great little miniseries. So it was. you know, here's a fun here's a fun freebie uh, if it's at a participating store. And originally it was supposed to be six issues, right? But they turned it into seven. Or no, it was five. five. Then they bumped it to six, but then they gave us the Grim Knight as well. Yeah, there we go. a lot of crazy shenanigans on that. Um, I am loving this. Kids need comics. Kids cannot afford four dollars an issue. So Marvel Comics has started their reprint series with their $1, um, oh my God, True Believer books. So now DC will bring back their dollar comics, and we will have Harley Quinn number one. This comes from Amanda Connor, Amanda Con- oh my God, I can't Amanda Connor, Amanda Connor, and Jimmy Palamati. I can say that one. <laughs> Jimmy Palamati, their, their run on uh, Harley Quinn. So this is going to be reprinting issue number one uh, from the New 52 era of Harley Quinn. So you can pick that up for a dollar. I love that, and I'm so glad that both DC and Marvel are doing that. It's so a great way to get kids into stores. Technically, Harley Quinn is a Paul Dini creation? Yes. Is that right? Yeah, I believe okay. so. Okay. Um, I, would, I, would say, uh, I would say that Amanda Connor and J- Jimmy Palmiotti have done some of the more... Well, they've handled uh, her for such a long time yes. in the current yeah. Uh, yeah. mythos. Yeah, the continuity. new 52 and forward. Yeah, they've yeah. been doing so, so much. They, they had quite the hand. Formations on her? In, hand informing her as a char- as a full-fledged character. Yeah. So no, they've taken her some places. Like, I mean, honestly, her new 52 book, I think their injection of the humor and, like you say, in the formation of her, that really saved her because otherwise then you had the Suicide Squad version and there she just... She seemed, she didn't seem very Harley Quinn. It just seemed right. more like icon, eye candy. No, not trying to be mean, but you know that's where it was. So they definitely brought a personality into it and made her fun because that book 
its style and tone survived into DC Rebirth. Correct. Yeah, yeah, and that's important too because I mean they've turned Harley Quinn into this this I mean almost heroine style, right? I mean mm-hmm. she's not so much a villain anymore. She got away from the Joker, which is great, and now the stories that they're building. I mean even she was one of the main plot points and not necessarily a bad guy during the Sanctuary event. Yeah, during Heroes right. in Crisis, yeah, she's true. and. It's it's I like to point it up also to the whole idea of how Margot Robbie is so popular right now mm-hmm. and how you know she played the character very well in a movie that didn't do so well right and now with you know Birds of Prey um, and her her being in it I can only imagine this is going to move forward to more of that empowerment kind of with Wonder Woman and Harley Quinn now being the second we see it in the comics and they're also doing that with Poison Ivy now right mm-hmm. she's becoming much yeah. more and more of a hero as well especially right now I recently got an Xbox One. And I was going to play Gears of War 5, but I ended up downloading Arkham Asylum. And I played it for the fourth time. And (laughs) so after this, I'm going to play City, and then I'm going to play Night and Origins. And it's weird because thinking back, throughout, she's always, Poison Ivy's been a big part of all the entire series. And not until Night, spoilers, she sacrifices herself for the city. Oh, wow. So I think they've been inputting that for the long run to make her more of that good character, which I think is good. It's empowering. I think that's that's really nice. Yeah, like I love when a villain comes around. Yeah, you know, like you know, because like uh, to me, like I, I love the duality of Two Face, and yep. my favorite stories are when he's more heroic because that's playing against his type, and I think that's more fun. And plus, I'm sure we all love stories of redemption, like that's fun stuff. I do, but I also love my villains to say villains too. Like, don't get me wrong, this is evil, Mitch speaking. By I'm the, way. the person that that's, <laughs> that's I'm all about. Let's. I want to read more Suicide Squad. I want to read more Thunderbolts. I want, uh, you know, Juggernaut to be on the X Men. But I love it when Lex Luthor's the bad guy. I don't <laughs> like it when he's a hero. That's true, I get that. I don't want Doctor Doom to be a good guy. I like Doctor Doom as malevolent, malevolent Doctor Doom. Uh-huh. You know. And so. Speaking of, okay, so I'm going to do a plug real quick. Uh, this was kind of hinted at last week. Uh, Tom Taylor mm-hmm. and Bruno. Oh, I want to say Mars. Redondo. San Martino. No, uh, yeah, they're going to release an album. Uh, I think San it's Bruno Redondo, his his artist. Uh, those two worked on Injustice too. Okay. Uh, a beautiful collaboration. Uh, they're going to be reviving Suicide Squad. Oh. We're going to get an all new number one ongoing team book uh, for sure. Harley Quinn's there and Death Shot. Shot. Death Shot. They're going to be on it. Dead Shot. Uh, looks good. So you know what's funny is that the first volume of Suicide Squad that I read is completely different than every other volume of Suicide Squad. The one that I read was the one that had Sergeant Rock as the man dweller, the one that... that uh, field leader like that, yeah. Yeah, and, no, and it, it didn't... Uh, I think Deadshot shows up later in the in the issues, so it was more of a... a every issue there was at least two characters that died because and that's where stephanie oh, okay. brown's father clue master died the oh, first okay. time wow so like that was i got introduced to stephanie brown and clue master and all that. i got introduced to a whole bunch of characters there and then the next iteration of that book because it got canceled after like 12 issues i think or something did it like make that. it to the 150 it, it did not make it to the 150 <laughs> not, i don't even think it, it might have made it to 25 killed 150 people though <laughs> <laughs> but i was just, it, it's i was just like this isn't the same and then I, i'm pretty sure chris would be like no this is how suicide squad has always been run like this is the this is what the your book was the abnormality <laughs> <laughs> you're the weird one <laughs> <laughs> so i've always been searching for that i would i would love to see like the book the book that uh Tom Taylor's going to create to be like that. Yeah, no, I'm very stoked for it. Like, I am tempted to give it a try. Um, I love that team, that collaboration that they're going to create. But I just, I've never been, like, I guess I've never been a villain fan too much. Like, I remember picking up the Secret Six 
Um, I think that was part of the fallout of Infinite Crisis and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. And I loved that book. It was so amazing. Catman. Yeah. Catman. Oh, man, that was great. And See, and that's what I think. Secret Six, to me, is what Suicide Squad is now. Like, they're, they're the same thing. They're, it's always the same team. People don't die kind of thing. Yeah, well, I think they've, like... Now that they're characters people care about, now it's worth it. Yeah. When they were characters, nobody... Like, the Enchantress? Dude, nobody cares about her. Like, go back to DC's Day of Judgment. Who was the character that they slit and threw into... <laughs> the Enchantress. They slit her throat and they threw her into to the pit of hell. Because she re- sucks. It was, it was her, yeah. It was Enchantress. And it's like, nobody really cared. Whoop-de-doo. And now it's like, well, she's been in a movie. She's been played by a high-profile actress. So you're going to see more of June Moon, the Enchantress. And it's like, wow, that's crazy, you know? I mean, even Rick Flagg. You know, yeah. now he's been on the big screen, and it's like, why did they just use Steve Trevor? And that's always been a long-standing argument. Why do we need both of those guys? They're essentially the same character. And it's like, well, we're going to write the book know. where we have Steve Fla- or Rick Flag, Steve Trevor, uh, all of the challengers of the unknown, and <laughs> uh, what Sergeant Rock all going to be on a team? Powerless, <laughs> the real heroes. They're the new boys. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's got to spank Superman. That's right. Somebody's got to keep him in line. All right, let me say, yeah, so great stuff, um, definitely. And even then, I got to throw it out there. I would say if you're a fan of Suicide Squad, go back, check out the original stuff, not necessarily the Silver Age stuff, but the first post-crisis run. I can't think of the writer and artist, but that Suicide Squad is really what what made Suicide Squad, Suicide Squad what it was. That's when they started putting villains into it. Did they uh, not bring great. back Ostrander after the after There you the go. That was the, that was the writer, Okay, Ostrander. Uh, his run was great, and I don't think they've brought him back since. Oh. Yeah, which is quite the bummer. He's, great, he's a great writer. Uh, but let's see. Moving along, Flash Forward number one is going to be out. That's right. That's some fallout from I, um, Heroes in Crisis. Oh. So if you are a Wally West fan, I would definitely say go to this book. Scott Lobdell. Brett Booth, oh. even Shaner, Norm Rapman. The art is going to be killer. Norm Rapman. Rap- yeah. Rapman. Yeah. I love his his uh, Spider-Man. His Flash. Flash yeah. His Flash always looks awesome. Yeah, so this is going to be great stuff. So this is really going to uh, showcase a lot of what's going on with Wally and what's going on That's, inside his mind. Because I find that funny that they didn't they didn't get Williamson to, to do the book. Uh, he's he's writing the main book, so this is more a spinoff. Um, with them picking, uh, oh, I just lost his name. Um, Scott Lobel. Scott Lodell. Lodell. I kind of feel like I think this is going to be building towards something outside of Flash. Mm. So I don't know what, but you know, um, I just I, I'm I'm excited to see what's going to happen because this is very much more multiverse than his Flash, I guess. Okay. So I mean, it'll definitely like give us some more closure to Wally and what's so, going to happen. So Wally's going to be the fastest man. In the multiverse, or for the in, moment, yeah. instead of the fastest mm. man on Earth, yeah, yeah, he's gonna be all over the place, and it's gonna be wild. Like I think they just again, the DC just put out their uh, December solicits, so it's like either issue four, issue five, and it's a beautiful cover. I think it's Doc Shaner art, and it's like basically Wally kind of running through like a broken mirror, and each of the shards are famous moments from Wally's life. Wow. So like Flash Year One. Uh, impulse and all these things, so it's like okay, this is really exciting. They're dropping some high level profile pages here, so I like that because I feel and I'm calling it here first, right? So if anybody okay. copies this idea, you know where it came from. Mm. Everything since Heroes in Crisis has been setting up for this big event. So what's this one called? Flash Forward. Flash Forward, right? six issue mini. So this mini is going to go into the next part where it's going to be called Be Kind Rewind. Ooh. <laughs> and basically, Wally's just got to turn back time. That's it. That's all it's going to be. And then if he's not successful, then comes the third part of the trilogy, 
late fee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there it is. <laughs> uh, Somebody's I, here to collect. I'm sorry. I worked at uh, Blockbuster for six years. It's called an extended viewing fee. Not oh, a late oh, fee. Nice. Well, us over at Hastings, <laughs> we called it a late fee. <laughs> Whose uh, who store survived a little bit longer? <laughs> Fair. Yeah, no, it hurts either way. <laughs> I mean, we were both owned by Reed Hastings, so it didn't yeah, really right. Did it really matter? <laughs> oh, my God, there's one universe. They're all the same. <laughs> all right, so moving along. Uh, Green Lantern by Jeff Johns, Volume 2 trade paperback is out. They are doing a great job of collecting Green Lantern by Jeff Johns, which is one of the best decades uh, of Green Lantern oh, when yeah. he was definitely taking care of stuff. So these trades are great. There's uh, Omnibus Editions, which are the hardbacks. There's the trades. The only bummer about this series, in my opinion, is I think they're just going to stick with the Green Lantern book. They're not going to include Green Lantern Core, Ion, and all the other spinoff, Green mm-hmm. Lantern, Emerald Warriors. Like, they need to. Like, I think that would be the greatest reading experience ever. Yeah, all that stuff. So it's mostly the story of how Jordan. Yeah, it's just going to be. Through, like, the, the, the War of Light going yeah. to the Blackest Night. Yeah, okay. and so, like, I mean, they'll do a good job. Like, I think when they get to Volume 3 or 4, they'll include the Green Lantern Core issues that tie into Sinestro Core. But I don't think it'll be a complete collection. So okay. it's like, ah, but anyways, someday when I take over publications. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Justice League issue 32 is out. That's right. Justice Society fans, our time is returning to us. Uh, if you saw last issue, you had that page hanger, and it was just insane to see the old schoolers back. So we're going to see more of that story continue on as the Justice League and the Legion of Dune fight. So now the JLA, or I guess at this point, JL, they are starting to get some allies. So we will be seeing the Justice Society and Commandy, the last boy, as the Justice Leaguers themselves oh. search throughout time. Uh, Lex Luthor, Year of the Villain number one. That's right. It's Year of the Villain. This is the big spinoff story going on inside the uh, DC Comics. So we will have our Martian Manhunter-esque Lex Luthor going around, or I guess Apex Lex, that's his proper name. Mm-hmm. Apex Lex, he's been giving his offers and things like that. So here's where the issue is probably going to take a twist. What's going to happen? So Jason Latour, Brian Hitch, and Francis Manipal team up to give us this one shot. Um <clears throat> We have Nightwing 64. I know a lot of people are kind of on the fence when it comes to Rick Grayson. I've stayed with the book. I'm a diehard Nightwing fan. I love it. I'm enjoying Rick. I think it's great stuff. I know the status quo is going to come back. That's why I can sleep at night. But what's going to be really interesting is Talon is going to come in, and he's going to basically recruit Dick. Like Hmm. The Court of Owls is finally going to get Dick back. So this is going to be exciting. Well, they're going to get Rick. So will this be the catalyst that brings Dick Grayson back or not? I don't know, but I'm enjoying it either way. Supergirl would definitely be a book to start paying attention to because, all right, spoilers, do yourself a favor. There's the Infected poster, which has the Batman who laughs, and he's basically playing chess with all the DC characters. Now, if you look at that teaser that DC released, all the characters touching their face, those will be the Infected. I was so proud. I finally figured one of those things out. Uh, Of course, now they've told us, but I figured it out first. Anyways, so Supergirl will definitely be one of the infected. So this book might play with some of the problems going on in there. But this is also going to be dealing with some of uh, the fallout between Kara finding out what happened um, in space. God, I can't. Mogul, I think was his name. The guy who is Bendis' new villain responsible for destroying Krypton. Something like that. Not Mongol, but Mogul or whatever it was. Yeah, He is trash. Trash. And I think (laughs) Bendis needs to apologize for what he's created. 
because I'm getting tired of this Unity saga. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, no kidding. And speaking of which, Superman number 15, which continues on with the Unity saga. Uh, This is actually going to be Jonathan Kent finally officially joining the Legion of Superheroes. That's right. Why did Jonathan Kent get aged? So they could put him on the Legion of Superheroes. Um, I I don't know. I'm not going to lie. I kind of lost... I kind of lost my interest in the Superman books, so I've dropped those. But hey, if you're enjoying the stuff, it's beautiful art nonetheless because you got Ivan Rise and Joe Prado on there. Superman Pals, Jimmy Olsen number three will be out. Teen Titans number 34. Wonder Woman Come Back to Me number three will be out as well, which continues the Walmart adventure books by Jimmy Pagliotti and Amanda Connor. So if you like what they do with Harley Quinn, here's your chance to see what they're doing with Wonder Woman. So those are the, some of the picks that I would recommend from DC Comics. Uh, let's just jump over. I'll try to be quick. We'll jump over to Marvel Comics. Absolute Carnage is going on, so get your checklist ready and get your money ready. We've got Absolute Carnage number three of five. Uh, Absolute Carnage Lethal Protectors number two of three. Absolute Carnage Scream number one of three is getting a second printing. Absolute Carnage Separation Anxiety number one is getting a second printing. Whew, that's a lot of carnage. So that's what's going on there. Amazing Spider-Man issue 27 gets a second printing. Black Cat number three gets a second printing. A new Black Panther book will begin. This is the team book. Black Panther and the Agents of Wakanda number one will start. Uh, This is going to be kind of a little... um, fan favorite grouping of superheroes helping out so um oh my gosh uh what were their names uh you have gorilla man kazar and the wasp they will be teaming up with t'challa and going on their strange adventures Uh, i think this one actually might even kind of think about exploring some of the multiverse that marvel comics has Captain Marvel number one, number nine will get a second printing as well. Daredevil issue 181 will get a facsimile edition. Now, why is this issue important and why is it getting a reprint? This is the one where Elektra was actually killed. Uh, that has the famous cover with Daredevil looking on and you see Bullseye and Elektra fighting. Amazing stuff. Uh, I am not a Frank Miller fan, but I will have to say when he was the writer and artist on Daredevil, it was amazing stuff. So definitely pick this out. It's a great issue to have. Um, It's just basically Bullseye is like, hey, why am I not the number one assassin? Kingpin's like, I have Elektra. So if I can't be number one, then I take out number one. Woo! Crazy issue. Yeah, that's nuts. <laughs> dead Man Logan, number 11 of 12 is out. That's right. He's almost dead. Not quite yet. Uh, Fantastic Four issue 13 will get a second printing. Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number 12 will be out as well. This is the Tom Taylor book. Um, let's see what's going on. Oh, this is going to be the all Mary Jane issue. So there's been a lot of hype going on with the Mary Jane and the Spider-Man comics. Uh, they almost got married. I don't know if you guys saw that, but an Amazing Spider-Man issue 29, the new series. This issue just came out last week. Uh, Peter was holding an engagement ring, but he unfortunately just couldn't get to MJ in time. Maybe Mephisto had something to do with that. Maybe that one moment in time couldn't lead to one more day. I don't know. <laughs> so you like that? Right? <laughs> that was the thing that they're 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 planning to do, right? Like they're they're teasing that there's they're going to dangle that in front of us for quite a long while. I honestly they're, that they're going to backtrack the Mephisto deal. I don't know if they'll backtrack it. I think. I think the smart thing to do is just have it be a brand new relationship. Okay. And if a strong, high-profile writer comes along and can figure out a great way to interweave that continuity with this continuity, even though they should all be the same continuity, then they'll do it. I just, I'm. This is not a knock at Nick Spencer. I just don't think that's his wheelhouse job. So that's more like a, hey, maybe that's what we'll dangle in front of JMS to see if he'll come back to writing Spider-Man. I think that's what they'll try to do. Um, yeah, so that that's just where I see that going. 
But anyway, so moving along, Guardians of the Galaxy issue nine will be out. This continues on with the Universal Church of Truth going across the galaxy and absorbing everybody. This book has been great. Donnie Cates is killing it, doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, the Universal Church of Truth has basically decided to say, you know what? How can we get the Guardians to do our bidding? Oh, let's take Peter Quill's dad. So this is going to be a tough one because things are already bad between Pete and his dad. Now he's really got to fight him, but he doesn't want to see him go down this way. So it was that was quite the tearjerker on that one. Uh, and even then with Rocket Raccoon, we're seeing the mystery, what's going on. Basically, he's deteriorating. Uh, they did a second print variant of issue eight, and it's basically Rocket just in his current state. And he's beat up so bad. It was sad to look at. I know. Yeah. And, and even actually, I'd recommend go back and find Guardians issue eight and read it because it kind of delves into the back ground of, of rocket and you kind of see a little bit of a mini origin beautiful book so did is is uh jason quill the still the father of J, of uh yeah, Peter jason quill? yeah yeah they didn't change it to ego nope nope cool yeah that was just a movie thing thank goodness well, I, just, <laughs> I just figured with no exactly that's right. what you always think like maybe they'll do something like that um, jack burton strikes again yeah <laughs> brought it back around yep it all is complete uh history of the marvel universe issue three will be out this is a great book i love this series uh they're doing some beautiful splash pages that show you how everything in marvel is related from magic to sci-fi to space to galaxy to cosmic rays everything it's all connected beautiful stuff you get some great art at the beginning and then at the end they have their index which shows you where everything comes from that is beautiful. Shout out to that team. All right, let's get ready. House of X number two is getting a third printing. House of X number five will be coming our way. This one's going to be fan fan very fantastic. Why? Uh, Mr. Sinister was kind of the breakout character in Powers of X yep. number five. Yep. So that was huge. <laughs> so I think we're going to get a villain spotlight because House of X number five has a big apocalypse on the cover. So what does that mean? I don't know, but I'm excited to find out. So I'm not reading Powers of Ten in House of X. Oh, but my gosh. I, I, I get I get I listen enough to the two of you. I listen oh. to other podcasts about it. <laughs> What's this about Krakoa pods and uh, Cyclops and Gene coming out of one? Uh, okay. Take so, it away, Chris. You sure? Go, go for it. All right. So in House of X number one, okay, we see Professor Xavier in a very Jesus Christ-like pose, and you see the pods opening. So it's very much the, 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 the religious stance is Xavier is God, and then you have your Adam and Eve breaking out. And who would be the Adam and Eve of the X-Men? It would be Scott and Jean. So we see these pod people busting out. Now, we don't officially see that it's Scott and Jean, but with a little bit of red hair and the red glowing eye, it's hinted towards them. Um, so basically, my theory is and especially with this last issue of uh powers the fact that house of x issue four killed the x-men like straight up kill they died in the sun wolverine and nightcrawler died fighting on a spaceship right outside the sun it was nuts it was a How horrible many years sad in, issue in the future that's supposed to be this is now it's present yeah damn because the story's going in one like four like different one, timelines yeah it's like because powers one, i thought powers was the one that's in the future, whereas House well, but, is the one that's in the present. But both books are linked together. Right. So, yes, present, like House of X would be X1, which means 10. Right. So the Marvel Universe is 10 years old, or the X-Men are 10 years old. Uh, Powers of 10 plays with that. X to 0, X to 1, X squared, and X cubed. They give us the other timelines, but it also talks about what's happening in the current time. Got it. They, they, the two books do dovetail. Like, if 
They, they could have just called it like X Men One. Yeah, issue two, you issue shouldn't three, read it. You shouldn't read one without the other. Yeah, it wouldn't make sense. I yeah, don't think it's it crazy. Like I can't wait to get the collected edition of this thing. But yeah, no, Chris puts perfectly. They they die. They they go on a mission to take out the mother mold facility yes. from information that they got from a future timeline with a different life with Moira, which is nuts. Because and she reincarnates as her mm-hmm. mutant power that we right. now know. Now she's a mutant. Because she never was before. <laughs> and yep. as we know, Hickman, he loves his robots. He loves his aliens. Oh, God, And so, yes. you know, they're going towards, they're, they're, they're making Nimrod. And so the, the, the X-Men go, they take care of it. They they. They win the battle, but they all die. They all hella get killed. Uh, Chris brought it perfectly. Cyclops gets his brain blown. Oh, God, yeah. He just gets Sheen shot. Sheen is destroyed by she hundreds pods of and then a bunch of sentinels, sentinels fly up and rip open her space pod. Oh, it was a heartfelt issue. Right. And so now it looks like, you know, but how, with Sinister and his gen- genetic um, manipulations. Like it looks like we're getting pod people. X-Men. Yeah. Like they're just like, it's okay that these X-Men die because we're going to regenerate them. Thanks to Mr. Sinister. Because in this case, the last issue revealed uh, Magneto and Xavier purposely seeking out Sinister to recruit him. So it's like, oh, that's quite the twist. So, yeah. yeah I will definitely have to read this trade when it comes out. Yes, I will read it to you. <laughs> that wasn't creepy. Um, <laughs> no, I, I like the enthusiasm. That's good. I, I love to share comics, man. All right, let's see. Infinity Wars by Jerry Duggan, the complete collection hardcover. So there was this little movie from Marvel Studios. I don't know if you've heard of them. Uh, the Infinity War with the Avengers and all that stuff. So they decided to redo the story as well. Uh, this will collect the Infinity War story along with the some of the Infinity Warps business as well. Um, I'm not going to lie. When it was Infinity Countdown, I was enjoying it. When it spun out to Infinity Wars, I kind of found myself losing it. Uh, But the Guardians of the Galaxy run that it came out of was beautiful stuff. So I don't know. Maybe I just got lost in the wait time. I'm sure if you read it together, it might be good. So for all that it's collecting for 50 bucks, that is a really good deal. So just tossing that your way. Uh, Powers of X issue three will be getting a second printing as well. Punisher Kill Crew number one will begin. This is our sorry. Punisher Kill Crew number one of five will be getting a second second printing so this comes straight out of the war of the realms where punisher is yeah. very much like i'm gonna go norse and wear a crazy uh ram helmet and kill giants and all that one stuff so, <laughs> sam have you read any of that yet i have them i have not read them <laughs> it sucks yeah. so, i'll come over and read those to you as well then <laughs> well i appreciate that uh the savage avengers number four the book nobody knows why it's in existence is getting a second printing <laughs> By the power of Conan. Um, All right, this is where I'm going to tell you something, and then you decide whether you want to do it or not, fans. So Spider-Man, number one. That's right, because what can we do to generate interest? Let's make a Spider-Man book. Let's call it a number one. J.J. Abrams and his son, Henry Abrams, oh, are going to get a book. <laughs> oh, man. And Sarah Pincinelli and Oliver Copiel, these amazing artists, are going to be grandfathered into this book. Uh, it's a five-issue mini. I don't know. I just... I could have been excited for it, but this screams nepotism, and I don't like to get on my soapbox, and I don't like to bash anybody. I like Abrams. I think he does great stuff, but there's so many other people that have worked so hard in the industry that would kill to have an opportunity to create a Spider-Man book, to actually write a Spider-Man book, to create a villain that can be in part of the Spider-Man mythos, and instead, hey, look at my last name. Mm -hmm. They give it to a movie guy. (laughs) You know, I'm okay with it, only... If it connects with the Cloverfield paradox, <laughs> oh man! If it's part of the Cloverfield universe, I'm down. Speaking of which, and this is kind of a, a side note because J.J. Uh, Abrams just signed a 250 million dollar deal with Warner Media to 
to uh, sounds like DC Comics. Be, well, right? to be uh, uh, ex- not exclusive, but to have a first look deal with them. So, uh, some people are speculating that maybe he will be the new Feige for the DC universe over hmm. there. Huh. Wow, I, mean, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't it. hate it either. No, I wouldn't. He hate had it. a Superman script a long, like twenty years. Bye bye, right? Something like that. Yeah. Bye yeah. bye. Yeah. No, wasn't that was that him or Sam Raimi? I don't know. I it, it, my mind went. It to It might have been JJ. You're right. Okay, uh, Sam Raimi's Superman film. I don't know what I would have done with that. <laughs> I just hope he dances. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll finish this up real quick. All right, Tony Stark, Iron Man number 16 is out there. Save some bucks. Buy some True Believers, True Believers, Hulk, Joe Fix-It, Hulk, Professor Hulk, and Hulk Returns. These are going to be some of the many different transformations of the Incredible Hulk. Uncanny Origins, Mutants, and Monsters trade paperback will be released. This was a great little series back in the day when Marvel was originally releasing 99-cent comics. So what they would do is they would take very famous characters and do a quick one-issue origin of them. So in this trade, you will be getting, as soon as it loads, load, 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 slow load alright uh, in this trade paperback you will be getting some origins of Cyclops Beast and Angel from the X-Men and Quicksilver uh, Fire Lord the Incredible Hulk and Venom. That's right. Seven issues in this one. So I hope I listed seven characters. I love these books. I don't know how well they've aged, but it was fantastic stuff. And I'm very glad that they're collecting this in trade. They will also be doing a second volume as well, uh, subtitled Myth and Magic. And that will have, um, let's see here, the Black Knight, which he's going to get very famous very soon, Black Cat, Storm, Nightcrawler, uh, Daredevil, and Iron Fist. So there was a 14-issue series, and it'll be collected in two volumes. These are great. These are also great ways to introduce fans to comics as part of my mission, and I like to do. Uncanny X-Men, Wolverine, and Cyclops, Volume 2. This will collect the last part of Matthew Rosenberg's run on the X-Men. And last but not least, Valkyrie, Jane Foster, number three, will be out as well. So those are some of the books out there for you to peruse at your local comic shop on New Comic Book Day. Awesome. There you go. There's lots of, lots of issues of stuff that you can go out and read, check out. Um, Sam. Yo. Would you have your first one, 150 issue you want to talk about? You know, I wish I would have done some more research, but the best that I could come up with was uh, the 2009 run because we had to do Marvel math. Yes. Chris helped me out with that. He was like, all right, add this number, now add this number, now add this number, and we came up with the 2009 run. That's right, Marvel editors, hire me. <laughs> <laughs> right? We came up with the 2009 run. Um, you know, you guys all know I'm, I'm, I'm a big Punisher fan. I've been collecting it for a long time. Have I read all the issues that I've collected? Unfortunately, no. You know, but uh, we came up with the 2009 run. Uh, from uh, uh, issue seven, mm-hmm. okay, and it's when Red Hood has been uh, hired to basically take care of the Punisher, and he uses some some magic to try to 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 bring back. Uh, oh, the Hood. The yeah, hood. the Hood. Yeah. The hood. Okay. Did I say Red Hood? I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. I meant the Hood. I meant the Hood. Sorry. 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 So he so he uses his he, he uses his magical powers and he brings back uh, a bunch of uh, deceased criminals and convinces them that Frank Castle was the one that tr- pulled the trigger on them. When really it was, um, oh my gosh, I want to say it was the Scourge. Oh my gosh, I can't remember the the, the character's name, but it was it was. Uh, I'm bring it up right here. Uh, da, 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 New York supervillains. Okay, the Hood, leader of the New York supervillains, was assigned to the task of dealing with the Punisher, wielding powerful magic. He brought Frank's old partner Microchip back from the dead. Okay, oh, okay. yeah, so okay. that was yeah. Yeah, so he brings Microchip back from the dead to give him an edge over the vigilante, and that didn't work out. So then he decided to take more action and. Uh, Use the powers of the dark dimension resurrects eighteen supervillains, 
uh, who were gunned down years ago by the scourge of the underworld. Jesus. Okay. Who's the scourge God? of the underworld? I don't know. It's all in caps. I'm going to have to research <laughs> that and get back to you. <laughs> it was big, though. Right? So it's a simple task to make these men and women believe that it was the Punisher who pulled the trigger on them. Oh. And he gives them 30 days to take him out. Parker Robbins, the hood, is, is such an interesting character to me. Like, I think he's, it's a character that he gets left out a lot. Like, when, and when mentioning Marvel villains, um, what was the... He was part of the Cabal. Right. Well, yeah, he was very much fast tracked. Like he got yeah. his own miniseries. It's like, hey, he's the anti Peter Parker, and then yeah, he they they launched him into the Marvel universe. I think, boom, right off the bat, he squared against the Avengers, and then they put him on the Cabal, and it's like, okay, there's the Illuminati, here's the evil one, and yeah, he's just. But you're right, he gets these high seats, but then when you see the classic images, they kind of forget him. Yeah, and if anything, they've created a great anti Doctor Strange. Yes, but but he doesn't go. You know, he doesn't go Doctor Strange. Yeah, which because he gets his powers from Norse runes, so he has Asgardian uh, connections. Magic, yeah. And and then he has, and then he, like you said, he's the anti Peter Parker, as in Parker Robbins. He's a, a, a young man that's been had a, a certain a power life, just yeah. thrown onto him. And it, 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 he's such an interesting character. Like, the, who thinks I'm going to resurrect 18 uh, right. dead villains and, and have them go after the Punisher because that's what he was hired to do? Um, I, I, I don't know. That's just that's interesting. And so, so Frank Castle, uh, is, would you say it was Punisher issue nine? It was um, issue seven. The, the issue seven. It was the 2009 run. 2009 issue seven. Issue yeah, seven. that's 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 pretty good. The cover's got this picture of the Punisher laying atop. 19 dead bodies. <laughs> no. Sounds about right. Yeah, yep, right. The way it works. Uh, Rafa, what's a, what's a 150 issue for you? A 150 issue for me that I did not appreciate when I first read it, but I grew to like once the series ended was definitely Walking Dead 150. Ooh. Ooh nice pick. Mostly because, so for me, it's like, so this is right when the Whisperer War is about to start, right? Um, Alpha has gone and she's chopped off the heads of a lot of Rick's people and they've had a relatively, you know, quiet time now because this is the time hop after Rick is already, you know, yeah. incarcerated Negan and everything is going to peaceful times. So with the Whisperers, we got this whole new threat, right? It's not, they are people, but they are people who are, you know, encasing themselves within the innards and the bodies and the faces of the dead themselves. And so for me, what I really liked about this issue is this is a huge change in the way Rick was going to lead his people. Because at this point, right, especially if you watch the show or even if you've read the comics, what we're getting is we're getting a really good introspective. And as we've talked about before, The Walking Dead is the story of Rick Grimes. It's a story of Rick transforming right mm -hmm. he's transforming from that sheriff to you know the man who has to survive to keep his family alive to the totalitarian to you know the person that has to engage within alexandria to take over again so he goes through a lot of changes what i really like in this one is he's had a huge change of heart because now they're living in peaceful time and it's a great time to be alive because you know he's growing old and you can see that with his daughter and his son well, no, it's not because she's dead. Right. I'm thinking the show right yeah, now. Yeah, the show. <laughs> Jude's um, still alive there, but not. But what I really liked is in this case, the issue before, Rick is talking to Negan about what he should do, right? And Negan is incarcerated again, and Negan gets to be that, that devil on the shoulder telling Rick, you know, sometimes you need to fear monger. And Rick's very like, no, I'm not going to do that. And by the time of the ending of the issue, Rick gets the people together, and he uses fear mongering as a way to 
turn their attentions, their discomfort towards an enemy. And he makes the whispers the enemy. And I thought that was really, really good because that's what we see with politicians all the time, Mm -hmm. right? We need a scapegoat for our problems. And so these are going to be the bad guys. And so, you know, looking at it that way, it made me reappreciate the 150 issue because one it's really cool because it's rick just standing there and he looks like a young man again but he's covered in blood and that's that's the story of rick grimes it's one where he has to do the things that others won't Mm -hmm. and so now we're looking at more political brain games rather than just going i'm gonna go and kill these people and that's why i love this issue so much uh oh nice uh and sam has pulled up the pulled up the cover for everybody so um i i like when we talked about The Walking Dead uh, for our roundtable and then leading up to the roundtable, I honestly, I just, I just never have read any of The Walking Dead comics, but it, it is amazing to hear about The Walking Dead, you know, getting to 150 and then eventually yeah. to 193. 193, yeah. That we, we, did, we did talk about, you know, and you're right, Rick, Rick Grimes is the, the reluctant hero the reluctant leader yeah i guess is the yeah. best, better idea because he's always a hero he always has that he has that stance he has that moral code but he's not always a hero dude i'm sorry well, well <laughs> you're, okay you're not well, wrong he's looked at as the hero yeah but yeah. it is he, the hero's you know, journey too. to do what yeah. he had to you're right to say you're you're right to say he did what he had to do mm-hmm. to protect his people yeah yeah and, and i mean and sometimes it, it's 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 the he has to do the things like you said, that no one else wants to do, but it's the things that need to be done. The necessary yeah. evil, yeah. So, uh, anybody else have some talking points about The Walking Dead? No? Okay. So, Chris, <laughs> what is your first issue 150 you want to talk about? All right. So, the one I want to toss out, Amazing Spider-Man Volume 1. That's right. There originally was only one Amazing Spider-Man back in the day. <laughs> so, Amazing Spider-Man Volume 1, number, number 150. Uh, I love this issue. Um I actually remember reading it in its entirety uh, back in 1990-something. Marvel Comics was doing the Clone Saga. And so they used to have, I don't know if you guys can remember these, those old reprint comics, and they would have that gray-silver frame around them, the yeah. Marvel Milestone Edition. I remember edition. those, yeah. Oh, I love those. Man, I am just using a lot of hyperbole today. I'm, I'm channeling my inner Stan Lee, I think. But anyways, I love those books. I thought they were fantastic. And they did issue 149. And then as a special, it was in part of a two-pack you had to buy. They did issue 150. So I remember buying 149 and looking at that. I was like, oh, my God, this is great. Because, again, this is pre-internet. Trade paperbacks were very rare. Not everything was collected. And if you had to go into the back issue box, you better have some money. Like, I couldn't even afford to pay attention when I looked in those things. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, so with those, um, I remember reading this issue. Beautiful cover. uh, Gil Kane. Do yourself a favor. Google Gil Kane. Look at his art. It's beautiful stuff. So it just has one of those crazy covers where it's Spider-Man grabbing his head and holding and talking to himself. You know, Vulture, Kingpin, Sandman, my old foes. They're returning to attack me together. Is this a nightmare or am I going mad? So if you look at that cover, you don't know that it's the, the conclusion to the Clone Saga. So anyways, uh, one of my favorite characters, Ben Riley, the Scarlet Spider, he was featured in 149. It was his first appearance and his death. Thanks, Jerry Conway. Uh, but anyways, so <laughs> so anyways, with that happening, uh, Spider-Man, was, like, well, at the end of issue 149, Gwen asks him, how do you know if you're Peter Parker? 
and being the 70s you know he's like groovy I don't know you know and <laughs> so he goes to uh, Kurt Connors and he's like can you do a, ch- a, a test on me can you check and find out if I'm the real deal or not and so of course Dr. Kurt Connors does all these tests on him Spider-Man's crazy tired and as he leaves the laboratory he starts running into stuff so he gets in a fight with the kingpin with the vulture and Sandman and then in the end he comes to find out these are basically um manifestations of the spider slayers so i can't alistair Smythe, the Smythe family they're coming in they're attacking spider-man as well and so you know spider-man manages to do it but he has that close moment where he almost dies and you know how you see your life before your eyes well he sees his life with mary jane and that's where he theorizes wait a second the clone wouldn't have known mary jane he would have been in love with gwen stacy so therefore i love mj i'm not a clone and so he goes back to Connor's lab and he throws the lab results. And poor Kurt Connors, he's laying there on the desk like, I did all this work. Yeah, I did all this work. And he couldn't even read it. You know, he's just like, I'm throwing it to the wind. Oh, that'd make me mad as you an know? educator. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I'd be like, you're going to sit down. I'm going to read this to yeah, you. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to pull a Chris on you. Uh, but anyways, shout outs to Marv Wolfman. He was the EIC at the time. Uh, Len Wein was the writer of that one. And actually, Gil Kane did the cover and the interior art, which is crazy for back in the day i'm sorry len ween did not len ween why am i saying that who who created the punisher i just said his name earlier jerry conway jerry conway, conway hero 149 archie goodwin came in and did issue 150 and archie goodwin do yourself a favor google that man read about him he's a fantastic guy anyways that issue hit me right in the olden age of the 90s my golden age i loved it i thought it was great uh spider-man or spider clone just a beautiful book i mean when you talk about the the clone saga, it just gets you so cross-eyed at points. And but see, but here's what's neat, and I get it. Like the '90s, the '90s uh, clone saga is a uh, catastrophe mm-hmm. of just too many comics made. You go back and read the original '70s one, which I think starts at an amazing 142 and goes to 150. That is a clear-cut story, right? Like that was great. Like the return of Gwen Stacy, it was chilling because first off, the death of Gwen Stacy was insane. Uh, Marvel Comics got so much hate mail that Stan Lee had to come in and he's like, "Jerry, fix it. I can't have this happening." Uh, you know, and then Jerry's like, "I'm not going to bring her back. I killed her. That's ridiculous." And so they met in the middle, clones, you know, and, and for it being a one-time thing, it was fantastic. The emotion that it played. I mean, uh, when you look at these books, like Gil Kane, I'm always going to talk about Gil Kane. He's fantastic. He's a great artist. The tired look, the pain that he put in Peter Parker was amazing stuff because this is amazing stuff happening. And I thought it was great. But you're right. When you go to the 90s, you know, oh, here comes the heartburn and I don't need it, you know. I totally get you, but I mean, for the for the Ben Riley that it gave us, I think it's worth it. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. That's fair. I like that. Uh, okay, my first uh, 150 is definitely some of the Marvel um, Marvel numbering. Marvel mathematics. Nice. Marvel math, thank you. Uh, because Green Arrow didn't get to an issue 150. Oh, DC. DC is going to get some Marvel math. Sorry. <laughs> That's right. DC is yeah. going to get the Marvel math. Surprise, uh, they bought Green Arrow. <laughs> yeah, Green Arrow didn't get to uh, 150, I guess, in any of the volumes. So the closest no. thing that we got is issue 9 of Green Arrow volume 3, which is not particularly a, a spectacular issue in itself, but it is part 9 of 10 of uh, Kevin Smith's Quiver yes. story arc. Oh, okay. Which 
brings back Green Arrow into the DC universe after he had died in a plane accident, or not a plane accident, a plane explosion. Yeah. Uh, and then it had gone to his son, Connor Hawk, as a Green Arrow. Like, I... That was my Green Arrow when I first started reading yeah, comics. Mr. Hawk. Yeah, Connor Hawk, his son. Um, bringing back... Uh, Oliver Ollie. Queen, sorry, thank you. <laughs> bringing back Oliver Queen, who is also my Green Arrow, because I just love the, the character. Um... W- had to have been such a weird mandate to give to Kevin Smith, a guy who, <laughs> I mean, he loves comics and he yeah. had written the Daredevil storyline at this point yeah. already. Um, you know, he he'd been he'd been involved in comics in one way or another, but you didn't really know that he had such a affinity for Oliver Queen until this came along. And well, and that's a question I always wonder because now that you mention it, because all right, this is a moment I share. Pete Tomasi. We give a lot of love to Jeff Johns, which is, is totally fine. Mm-hmm. But Pete Tomasi was the one who advocated for Green Lantern Rebirth. So is he the chicken? Jeff Johns is the egg? Uh-huh. So therefore, is is uh, Kevin Smith an egg? Like, who decided to be like, like, did Dan Didio was like, I need Green Arrow back. Um, and that could be the lure that gets art where they just like, what would you want to do, Kevin Smith? And he's like, I want to bring back Oliver Queen. I love that crazy goatee, you know? That's how Kevin Smith sounds. <laughs> Is that how he sounds to you? Exactly. Uh, I'm Kevin Smith and we're on the podcast. So then, uh, I mean... <laughs> You could have easily done clones, as as we've already seen, and in, in bringing back there someone from a, the yeah. dead. Maybe they could have done uh, that. Was an LMD that died in the plane crash? I've been on stuck on an island for all this time, kind of thing. I didn't die in the plane crash. The Earth Two Green Arrow. It could have dun, been the Earth, dun, dun, dun. or we could have went straight up. Uh, uh, oh, was that called Countdown? Was it Countdown, or was it a? Uh, yeah, when they did that countdown to Infinite it, it, Crisis, Infinite Crisis, where countdown, we had yeah. where we had Superboy punch a, a, a wall and a crystal and then bring back yeah, uh, Jason, Todd's back, Jason yeah. Todd, the Red Hood resurrection. Yeah. What we end up doing is having uh, Hal Jordan, Hal Spectre. Jordan as the Spectre. Saying, Actually, first is Parallax. Was it as Parallax? Yeah. So, so because no, he shows up to yeah, him as, well, he, as he Spectre. Goes, yeah. So it was when Hal was going to die, and he goes to Ollie's grave, and he's like, "No, nah, I wish you were alive." Back. So he basically uses a little bit of the DNA that was there, and he picks off DNA like he picks a little bit off Superman, and Superman's like, "I just felt something funny," and he he uses that to give us a a, a Green Arrow body, so he doesn't have all the memories. He's kind of like I'm an, an, you know just lost, and Hal goes off face of the Sun Eater dies, and then this body of Green Arrow has been running around since the final night, being like the homeless trash <laughs> warrior, like I'm Green Arrow. And he throws a trash can at you. Yeah. <laughs> Bullseye! Not in my and, uh, city. Yeah, not in my city. <laughs> well, yeah, he, he, stri- he ties a, uh, a milk jug a, a, to an arrow. And then I think it was a bleach bottle. Oh, yeah, you're right. A you're bleach right, right. bottle bleach to bottle. an arrow. And he's like, that was my boxing glove gun yeah. <laughs> or boxing glove arrow. Yeah, that was what it was. Uh, but yeah, he, you know, and then the, the, home, the, the rich man that finds him and takes him in, he's like, hey, Wait, you were Green Arrow at one point. You should come live with me. Like I, we can, I can take care of you. I can get you back to being full and stuff like that. Then I, issue nine is when you you come to find out that that dude, that rich dude, is not a good guy. He's, he's psycho. He's a psycho pedophile, like kind of thing. He's like killing kids and stuff to keep uh, magic and wealth in yeah. his in his thing to like, stay youthful. Not stay Pretty, youthful. Okay. His All his right. power, wealth, and influence. Yes, you know? that one. Cool. So well, not cool, but <laughs> yeah, right. You got you. You're on track. Yeah, uh, the views of Sam do not reflect the views of people. <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah, Kevin Smith brings back uh, Oliver Queen in this story arc, and and we get we get him back into the DC universe. And that was a crazy issue because I don't know if you remember that well. Um, so what was going on at the time? So Oliver Queen, the the soul is up in heaven. Right. Oliver Queen, the body is trapped on Earth, and. Connor Hawk is finally getting that time with his dad, but it's not his dad. And those two are out on a mission and all are sorry. Connor almost died. Yeah. Like he was in a life or death situation. And then the body of Oliver Queen was knocked out or something. And so that like Kevin Smith said all the pieces there, like the body is unconscious. Connor's going to die. We found out that the rich guy is just crazy evil. And there was something else. So this is where Oliver Queen has to decide, do I leave heaven? And spoilers, he does. And that's he the Spectre. Yeah. How, so how Jordan Spectre there is like, hey, I fucked up when I was Parallax. I need you to come back. Yeah, I'll help you come back <laughs> and everything's going to be okay. So it worked out. <laughs> so there, that, that's my first uh, issue 150. That was good. I remember buying that one. I yeah. Buying that one on the stands. Sam, do you have another? I do not. Okay. It was it was Walking Dead, but Rafa. Rafa <laughs> I'm, no, I'm just kidding, man. <laughs> Sorry, sir. That's all right. Oh, do you, what, so, I mean, do you have other... Uh, characters that you love to follow? Um, well, I mean, I like Spider-Man. You know, I, I wish I followed him more. I just, at the point I'm at in my life, I just, I can't afford to to just, just Fair. collect them, you know. Uh, I like Spider-Man. I like Captain America. I like the Avengers, you know. Um, I would tell you this, Guardians of, Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy did not hear about them until the movie came out. Same. You know, yeah. and then it was like, what? <laughs> you know, um, can, I don't know if they have 150 issues, but. They you know, do. Can you right think, on. Well, can you think of 150 issues for the Avengers? Uh, oh, I, they totally did. I know. I don't remember what would have happened on it. I want to say, I would say that would probably be like Roy Thomas writing that one. Okay. Um, it, they definitely would so have So what era it. would you say that would, that, what timeline? Uh, well, you're looking decade. at probably the 70s, okay. I would definitely say. So, I mean, this is going to be like right around the Corvax saga, I'd say. I'm just guessing off the top of my head. If you had to, if you had to guess. Yeah. Uh, Rafa, what's your next 150? Well, well. Franey's looking up that, or while Chris is looking up that 150 Avengers. For sure, I would have to say something that I grew up loving besides just comic books would be Japanese comic books. Oh, right on. And by far, one of the greatest of all time was the Dragon Ball series. And Dragon Ball had a 150, but I'm not going to talk about Dragon Ball, I'm going to talk about Dragon Ball Z. Dragon Ball Z's chapter 150, issue 150, is called The Androids Unhinged. And for anyone who doesn't know, so the whole point of Dragon Ball Z is we're talking about aliens who get stronger and they train to save the earth well they've already faced off a bunch of a bunch of aliens like frieza and in this case goku is the number one hero this is the superman of akira toriyama's dragon ball universe always powerful throwing off powerful blasts and doing cool things in this issue what happens is goku loses he loses for one of the first times to an android a lesser character these androids that were built to take on goku and his friends and they are a big threat what happens here which i think is really cool is i like this chapter because this is when vegeta the second character the one that is always behind goku actually transforms and is actually able to destroy the androids and do something that Goku was not. As a kid, reading this was one of the coolest things ever because to me, Vegeta was way cooler than Goku. Vegeta was that one with the edge. You know, Goku is your is your Superman character. Vegeta was your Batman, but more of your Jason Todd because he killed the shit. <laughs> and just watching him, just Goku gets thrown out the sky and Vegeta catches him and then just throws him on the ground and goes, I'll take care of this Kakarot. And he just proceeds to just destroy this android he grabs his arms and like the android is like like absorbing his power as he's holding on because he has the power absorbers on the end kind of like a mazo 
Um, and Vegeta just overflows him with energy, and the android blows up. And it's the coolest thing that I've ever seen. And by far, this has to be one of my favorite 150s. Because, again, the allure and the magic. 150 is a number where you're not expecting a lot of crazy things to happen. The fact that the issues are still going on is cool enough. But in this, I got to see one of my favorite characters shine. And that in itself made it way too cool for me. Very cool. I mean, I wish there was more that I could interject or or talk about or question for a Dragon Ball. But I, I just don't know the world. It's it's fun and it's exciting and there's fighting and martial arts. You know what? And right the on. funniest thing that I always find about Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, is that that all their names are vegetables and yes. stuff like that. Kakarot and carrot, Verit, Vegeta, Vegeta, Vegeta. Vegeta, vegetable, yeah. piccolos, a flute. Gohan means means rice. Wow, I never <laughs> I have thought a, that. Rad, raditz <laughs> is radish. Yeah. Uh, my my flashback to uh, Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, and all that. So I would always remember, like, if you couldn't find something to watch. Could go to the Spanish TV station, yep. and they'd oh, be man. watching. And I yep. wanted to. I wish I knew Spanish, and I would watch them. Like I would try to pick up what was going on in the story, even though I didn't understand language. And I just, and I thought the animation. Like I know you're talking the comics, but the show, the animation, much shout out to it. Oh, like yeah. very, like for it was sure. capturing. So it's like oh, one of these yeah. days, like when I have time, I want to go down that road. I want to explore it. Well, follow me, and I'll show you the world. <laughs> oh, yes, I can show you the, the world. world of Dragon Ball. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Chris, did you did you have Okay, so August nineteen sixty six, Avengers Volume One celebrated issue one fifty. A young George Perez. Wow. You can see that his art was starting to come together here. Not saying that in any way, but like his signature style Mm -hmm. was starting to be born. A beautiful cover, basically a big old question mark with a gazillion Avengers coming at you. Who will be the team? Uh, Beast has yet to be decided if he's black or blue fur. Just (laughs) a little fun note there for you. Um, but anyway, Steve Englehart was the writer on this one. Stan Lee gets a co credit as well. George Perez did the uh, interiors as well, and Jack Kirby's in this as well. Why? Well, let's go to the notes about this one. I love the idea that issue 150 is like, we're going to start a new team. Who's going to be on the roster? Well, this is a big one because, okay, so there's a reprint of Avengers issue 16 in this one, Stan and Jack, obviously. Um, So with that, that's why they get the credit, and that's the first time they ever changed the lineup. Uh, This is the end of Steve Englehart's long run. Like he was a big writer on Avengers, and he's done here. Jerry Conway will now pick up the team. So maybe they had a tradition of okay, if I'm leaving, I pick your team. Who knows? Uh, that'd be I, could something you imagine that being like being that's the challenge is like uh, whoever writes the, the 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 volumes before you gets to pick yeah, your pick lineup, your and now you have to stick with it for at least the next you know twenty issues. Oh, yeah, that would be rough. Like that'd I know insane. Daredevil, they do that. Yeah, they take Matt Murdock and they put him in a corner, and that's like your job is to figure out yeah. how to get out. But that would be tough. Where it's like, oh, dude, I'm finally writing Avengers, and <laughs> you gave me who? <laughs> D man. <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, Iron Man gets an armor upgrade. That's right, the Mark Five is introduced they weren't as quick as they were back in the day um a lot of great stuff there so it's just a fun issue uh steve Englehart, he actually created uh or probably i guess co-created uh star lord and jerry conway as i mentioned earlier the uh the punisher created the punisher yeah so some big title big guys on that one before they were big guys what's your next 150 all right so my next 50 i'm going to jump to the other comic company Uh, i'm going to shout out to nightwing volume 2 issue 150 nightwing volume 4 was a or sorry nightwing volume 1 was a four issue miniseries and the nightwing volume 2 actually made it on its own merit made it to 155 issues so this came out january 2009 why is that significant because 
because we are in the thick of it with Batman R.I.P. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a big one. Uh, so we had uh, Philip Tan and Ethan Van Scriver were being the artists on this one. Pete Tomasi and Don Kramer were the creative behind it, artist and, or sorry, writer and artist respectively. Great stuff. So this capped off the Great Leap conclusion. So this is basically, this is the conclusion to Nightwing's book. Uh, this is where it's all going to come to an end. So he's dealing with everything that's going on in Bloodhaven and all these things, what he's going to do with Barbara. Uh, and it's just a great relationship issue for those two. The next issue is going to start the final five issues, which will lead us to more of what's going on as as Nightwing finds himself going into uh, R.I.P. But this is just great for me. Why? It's got Nightwing and Oracle dealing with their relationship. Two-Face is a big part of it as well. So anytime I get to see those two spur up, I would say, in my opinion, I think Two-Face is the anti-Nightwing. That's his big... Uh, that's his, that's his, his counterpart. Joker. His that's villain, his villain, counterpart, yeah. so I always like that. I know a lot of people will look to other characters, but I think that's I mean, great. I do like the idea of Talon being his Joker, since it's supposed to, like that was supposed to be him at one point, but, yeah. but you're right. Two-Face is the... Yeah, well, and then it's tough because then sometimes it goes to like say Deathstroke. Maybe that's a good pick. Because, well, that's, you know. that's, that's, that's more Titans. the Titans. Yeah, yeah, and that's where I go with that. And I'm, I, you know what? I love Nightwing, but I don't think that he can stand up to Deathstroke. Like, yeah, no, I don't think he can. I think he needs the team. Yeah, and I love Nightwing, need... but if I could make it that way, then Deathstroke's not the great villain that he is. Yeah. So what do you think could take on Deathstroke then from the Bat Family? From, from the Bat just Family, Batman. I would say Batman, yeah, it's just Batman. Yeah. But I will give this you the think second Cassandra person. Could? Ooh, she's a good pick. I was going to say though, Jason. Really? Why? Because I could see Slade trying to start off with a little bit of honor, and then Red Hood's just going to straight up shoot him. And then at that point, now <laughs> Deathstroke's going to be like, oh, you that, That's very in line with Jason. Going, now, so, yeah. With Cassandra, I would say that if she can do it quick and get it done, yes, yeah, she wins. But if it goes longer than True, yeah, maybe three that. minutes, oh. he's going he's gonna to outlast her. He's got the experience, and he's got the stamina. You know, spoiler alert. There's only one person that could take him out, and that's Stephanie Brown. That's Ooh. not true. She'd she lose so fast. <laughs> she'd lose so fast. <laughs> I, I, saw, I like the spoiler alert. Now. Spoiler alert yeah. <laughs> um, other than that, I don't know. I don't know if I don't. I haven't read enough of Kate Kane to know if Batwoman could do it. Um, I don't think she can. Azrael might have a little bit of advantage because he's a meta, uh, but. Deathstroke is also meta. That's so. true. Yeah, that's, that's true. the edge. That's what we forget about Deathstroke sometimes. Yeah, you know, of all people. You know, it blew my mind. So a lot of people give a lot of garbage to Rob Liefeld, myself included. Uh-huh. I'm not going to lie. You know, Deadpool is just a ripoff of Deathstroke. It's, you know, he's even stated it himself. But he, in one interview, he was out there saying, yeah, but Deathstroke is just a ripoff of Captain America. This is true. That blew my mind. I never made that connection. <laughs> I mean, the, they're both soldiers. They've both the, been given these serums. Even if you look at Deathstroke's original costume, he had the buccaneer boots as well. Yep. Oh, he no had way. the chainmail uh, scaling as well. And it's like, wow. So I want to see Captain America go up against Deathstroke. I'd love That'd to be see that. I mean, I feel like you kind of get that when you see like Captain America go against Taskmaster. Like you get you True. see it. Well, and then that's what's funny too. Taskmaster, which is also co-created by George Perez, uh, both those characters, Deathstroke and Taskmaster, and they're like they're like maybe three months apart or something yep. like that. Like they were very similar. Wow. But I don't know. I, I guess I if I if you put Taskmaster against Deathstroke, I give the edge to Deathstroke though. I just think he's got more raw power. Fair. Uh, Taskmaster is good at mimicking what he can do, but if I can mimic the same punch as you, 
but Superman throws the same punch, Superman's going to win. Why? He's got that raw power. <laughs> He's got that raw power. Uh, I, I love that in Nightwing 150, you have Oracle and uh, Nightwing talking it out, you know, whatever, because I know you and me are the same same boat of Barbara Gordon and Dick Grayson end up together yeah. in, in the future. That's what it's supposed to be. That's what it's supposed to be. But we down. don't see that. <laughs> most of the time, it's him and Corey. Yeah. Or it might be him and... Well, what, what was the most recent one? Was it him and the... Uh, oh, him and Corey. Yeah, that Nightwing, uh, the great... I forget what it was, but yeah. That 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 future book where right, yeah, the, it, all heroes were outlawed. Yeah. Uh, uh, New Order. There you go, the New Order. Nightwing New Order. But I'm just talking about like in the... In, and it might not be the most recent because I haven't read Nightwing Oh, but the while. Titans TV show. That's right, Dove. They put him yeah, with Dove. Yeah, they put him and Dove together. But then there's... um, uh, What was that, that bird? The other bird girl. The the one that... the the No, she wasn't a bird. She was with the bird, Pigeon. She She's the graffiti artist. Uh, oh, I know who you're talking she about. The blue hair? Um, yeah. Sang. Sang, yeah. Uh, it was, yeah, she was yeah. a new character. She was introduced, right? Right. She was induced, introduced in the rebirth volume of Nightwing. Because even right now, they have Nightwing with a new girlfriend, the bartender. So Rick Grayson. That's right. Has Rick is with them. Yeah. yeah. So they, they do that because they always have um, Dick Grayson be like, he's the ladies' man. He's he's always got, you know, international man of mystery. He's always got a woman and stuff like that. And and even with that, also, I mean, I, I feel like there's only two correct ships. Well, there's three. And that is. Yes, Dick and Barbara. That one should be Endgame. Uh huh. I like Stephanie and Tim. I think that should be Endgame. Same. And then it should be uh, Bruce and Talia. That should be Endgame. And you want you know you want to know who I'm I want to throw in uh, Jason with, and this might blow your mind because it really shouldn't work. But I think Donna. Donna Troy. I can see that. Right? Jason and Donna. Okay, I can see that. I, I haven't been reading the new um. The new Red Hood issues, but is he having something with Artemis? He did in Red Hood and the Outlaws, not Red Hood and Outlaw. Okay, or Red Hood the Outlaw. Yeah, so uh, it was weird because he went from team right because he had he had Arsenal and Corey, and then all but, of a sudden, well, yeah. Red, well, that was the Outsiders. That was Red Hood and the Outsiders. That's right. Then it became Red Hood and the Outlaws, which was him and Bizarro and Artemis. Yes. And then yeah, she has a relationship with uh, another Amazon, and then the two of them had a relationship together. And then uh, they kind of didn't, and then it became Red Hood and the Outlaw, or Red Hood the Outlaw. And I don't know what's going on in that book. I haven't read it in a while. But. Also, DC loves to pair their Robins with, with super folks. This is true. Right? Because we have, what, Connor and Tim. They had their bromance. Yeah. yeah. And then we had Damian well, you always have to, You make and, your own version of the world's famous, or world's yes, finest. Yes, world's yeah. finest, you're right. Now yeah. Jason with Bizarro. Yeah, yeah. I, but I think Dick's the only one that never had someone like that. No, unless like, you want to say him and Superman were friends, but they kind of were. I mean, they I are, they were, but, that, yeah. but that's Dick Grayson's everybody's friend. Yeah. yeah. Well, Dick was always the odd guy out because when they created the world's finest, it was Superman, Batman, and Robin. Yeah, like Robin oh, was a true. popular character. Uh, he just never had any counterpoint. And then when you did Superboy, there never was a Superboy because it was always the adventures of young Clark Kent. And then obviously, once they created a Superboy, it was like, oh well, this is Generation Three, so we pair him off with Tim. I, I bet I always, you. I, I bet you. If they, if they hadn't, if it was a different time when they created uh, the new Supergirl pre post crisis, they could have done Dick Grayson and Supergirl as a team. Well, they played with that as well That's because true. they kind of had those two like pair up and maybe even the the hint of a possible romance. So that's the street I was good at. But you know who I would have paired him up with? Steel. 
Oh, Nightwing and Steel. Okay, I, I like that. Because they're both leaders. Yeah. You know, they're both leaders. They're both strong men. And unfortunately, it's just due to their family, they're kind of overshadowed by the father figure. Mm-hmm. You know? well, it, or they would always see themselves as, as a sidekick. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, I always thought that'd be fun to have those two together. <laughs> now I just want to see Nightwing and Cyborg Superman team up. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Uh, okay, so my next uh, 150 goes back to kind of back to what uh, you you'd already said, Chris. With uh, Spider-Man, I'm going to go with Ultimate Spider-Man 150. Ooh. Um, Ultimate, the Ultimate Universe really worked on me the way yeah. that they wanted it to work. The whole the idea of you can get in, you can break in at the beginning. You don't have to know all the Spider-Man yeah, lore history. Not, a not that I didn't way. already know it. I knew most of it at that point, but this was a new world that looked a lot more like ours like you know this was the 16 15 year old peter parker in a world where you know he's not uh, a photographer for the bugle but he works on the website because yeah. kids work on websites you know kids know the internet um i just i really dug there were don't get me wrong there were faults there were th- fails on their part their venom saga was not great yeah, their clone saga is a massive groan. That makes me want to go to the nineties. <laughs> really? Like, oh yeah. Like dude. I like the idea of Jessica Drew. Being no, I a- dig that. Okay, but just like the carnage thing, like the, it, yes. because it got involved in right. the symbiote stuff. Yeah, and the symbiote stuff was garbage in my opinion. No and offense, yeah, but it, and I think that's that that was just like either Marvel or at the time uh the movies because the movie was going to get bring venom in soon like they were like yeah, well we need ground it grounded in earth not in space you we, can't use the secret war exactly we need to get and we we need to get venom out there we need the venom symbiote we need those things to be yeah. to happen people know that so uh but yes like i like the jessica drew explanation of this is female peter parker we yeah. just cloned him and turned him yeah. into a girl that was really cool um for sure. and then she became a, a shield agent she's like i she don't did? i don't need to be a high school kid i don't need to do all this other stuff i'll just go straight to being shield and like yeah hell yeah she was a shield agent and she also was the one that helped mentor miles yeah yeah really exactly because cool. she's like no <laughs> peter is something special to me you need to be able to do this yes uh so Issue 150 is the very, it's his 16th birthday. It's Peter Parker's 16th birthday. He's, he's, uh, it's finally Shields come to him and said, Hey, uh, you can't just be running around here with superpowers and not, can't be unchecked and be unchecked and think that you're doing okay. We're going to actually send you, quote unquote, to superhero school. You're going to learn from Captain America. You're going to learn from Thor. You're going to learn from these guys who know what being a superhero is and you're going to be held responsible for your actions. Like, for the kid that's supposed to be with great power comes great responsibility, he has to be responsible for his actions at this point. Unfortunately, this is also the last part of Peter Parker as Ultimate Spider-Man. Yep. This is the this is the beginning uh. of the end for him. At the end of this arc is when he he dies. He makes the ultimate sacrifice. He he, does. he he takes he takes a bullet for um, Captain, Captain America. America from the Punisher. And then that's why Sam had to leave. <laughs> I'm going to call it out. People are going to be like, why didn't Sam say anything? <laughs> and then, and then he, he makes his, like, that's the, it's in the ultimates. That's in the crossover event. Then he makes it all the way home to Queens and who's waiting there for him at his home that he didn't know that, you know, that knew the green goblin, like crazy Norman Osborn the, too. And the goblin looking green goblin. Yeah. That, that Hulk one. I remember reading through, cause I read through that recently again. And did you? Yeah. So goblin, he got out and he took the sinister six with him. That's right. Yeah. I forgot. All it wasn't of them just rolled a simple up, showdown. And at that time, both 
Johnny Storm and Bobby Drake were living at the were house. living at the house, and they're just hanging out. They all get fucked up mm-hmm. yeah. because. And the cool thing is, I remember when Norman goes fucking ape shit. Ock, the, the Doc Ock, he's like, you know, are we're really gonna go and kill Peter or whatever? <laughs> and him and Doc Ock, they get into a fight, and yeah. Go- Goblin kills the shit out of Doc Ock. Mm-hmm. That and was so the, one great thing about the Ultimate Universe. They were, they were like, we're, we're willing to kill people. Yes, it was so cool. And the fact that they killed Peter yeah. was the even better part. Because that yeah. whole thing, the way that it all came together, it was, yeah, perfect. You're going to school. Captain America doesn't really appreciate me, but I'm going to take a bullet for him. Oh, no, they got out. I got to go go to my house. Oh, no, they're there. Because if, I'm, if, I don't, if I remember correctly, Captain America says no. You don't get to be a superhero. You, he you, basically says like he doesn't have what's what you don't have what it takes. It. Yeah, and that's when he's like, okay, well, and then he, he jumps in front of the bullet for him because um, his spider sense yeah. goes off. Yes, and that's why at the the funeral, Aunt May smacks the shit out of um, Captain America. Nice. I think she says something like, "You never believed the men, or you you did this, and now he's dead." Yeah, it was very emotional. Yeah. So, oh, that was like that ended an era because honestly, like I. There's two things I would recommend that everybody should have just because we live in the age of trade paperbacks. You should have The Walking Dead. You should have all uh, 16 trades. You should. Um, <laughs> I hate like that you look right at me and be like, <laughs> you should. Yeah. <laughs> Hint. <laughs> Awkward eye contact. But yes, I'm saying so. And then also you should have all of the Ultimate Spider-Man trades. You should have you, all yeah. the Well, the I, have all the, I have the, all the singles. <laughs> I don't have the trades. Yeah, no, but uh, you know, those are just great ones because... They're finite stories. Like it was interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little sidetrack real quick here if you don't mind. But today I was talking with somebody about some comics. And, you know, of course it came up. They're they're a huge Watchmen fan, which is totally fine. Um, but then, you know, out it comes. Well, Watchmen is the greatest comic ever. And I tell you, I say, okay, well then what if Superman was just a twelve issue series? Ooh. What if you got to say one writer, one artist and Superman was a finite story. And it does exist. It's called All-Star Superman, and it's fantastic. It is really good. So if you don't get bogged down by continuity, if you weren't there to actually wait for it month by month, that changes everything. That changes the game so much. And like, I'm not trying to d- disqualify Watchmen. I think it's great. I enjoy it. But that's what changes it. Like, I know a lot of people are upset right now with, you know, before Watchmen and Doomsday Clock being prequels and sequels. I appreciate that I'm getting more with those characters, yeah. but I also know that that's going to water down the mystique. You know, and that's the tough part about it. But anyways, with Ultimate Spider-Man, you can have that complete story. You can see Peter Parker from the day he's bit all the way up till the day he dies. And it's just, it's a beautiful saga. Brian Michael Bendis, thank you for that. Which yes. is more than less just a year in his life, right? God, you know what? You're probably right. Like, well, I'd say maybe two or three years of Peter Parker I time. Think, I don't think it's two or three because he, he would have been 15. 15 bit, 16 die. No kidding, huh? Okay. All right. Wow. I would say, I want to say that's right. Okay. It might be 14 bit. We'll have, to, we'll have to look at the tombstone. Let's see if they were Ooh. bold enough to put actual years on there. You know what I'm saying? Um. So, yeah, that, that's my, my another 150. That's a really good one, Mitch. Yeah. So. Very good one. Yeah, Rafa, point. what's your last 150? So my last one definitely has to be for a book that I bought at a, a, at a swap meet in Tucson. I bought the whole collection just because I had the money and I wanted to read it, and that was Grant Morrison's New X-Men. Ooh, so nice. I bought it all, and then when my buddy Jake got married, uh, me, Steven, and Steven, we, we took a road trip to Iowa, and as they drove, because I drove some of it, but they drove most of it, I sat in the back, and I read through the entire series. Wow. And issue 150 of that series, 
That is the finale to Planet X. That is the reveal of all the crazy things that have happened. The st- So kind of what people are talking about right now with like the excitement you see from me and Chris with House of X and Powers of Ten, that's what this is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it's the fact that I could sit down and read through all of it. Yeah. I I just had such a great time. Because again, what it's what it all comes down to is it's been fucking Magneto. He has caused mayhem. He's killed a shitload of people in New York now. He has betrayed the X-Men. Everyone is going bad. And in this finale, we get to see him kill Jean Grey. This is this is where Jean dies. That issue hit me so hard. Right? It it's I I knew the history behind it. I knew this is where she was going to die and how she was going to be gone yeah. until what? We didn't realize like what she years? was gone. Yeah, almost like 11 years, I think, too. Yes. Like real time, not comic book time. And I love it because of just the, the last thing she's... Because for me, I've never been a big Scott and Emma fan. I didn't read com- I didn't read the X-Men during that time. Right. I got a big chunk of you know Decimation Cyclops. So yeah. it was Cyclops and Emma. Yeah. But it's so beautiful to see her dying in Cyclops' arms and he just and she just tells him, live Scott, live. All I ever did was die on you. Yeah. And that was so, so intense. And it's, the chills just thinking about that story and the raw emotion, the fact that they had a retcon that it was not Magneto after all. All the Zorn business. Yeah. All the Zorn business. It, there was just so much controversy behind it. And I just love Cyclops just blowing up Magneto's helmet yeah. while, while it's still on Magneto's head. And then and then Wolverine just gutting him. Yeah. And he's in, he's dead. And we're left with the new status quo of how the X-Men allowed Magneto to destroy New York. And then that goes into astonishing X-Men when Nick Fury is saying, your boy Magneto, what yep. what he did? Like, That's not my boy. Yeah. And so it just made things even worse, even before House of, House of M, which would then turn into Decimation. That's one of my favorite for sure. 150, that was a, a punch in the gut. That is the kind of thing that you want to see towards the, like, oh, oh what's, what's going to happen next? Yeah. No, I tell you, I wish, I would love to sit down and talk to Grant Morrison um, as crazy as it sounds, but I think it would be so great because in that issue, if you go back to 149, Scott's going to make a choice. Is it going to yes, be Emma? Is, is it going to be Jean? And it's like, well, was he going to choose Emma, but Jean died, so he he chose Jean? Or was he going to choose Jean, but then she died, and so you know the whole live, which kind of you know, depending if you look at the next story arc, yeah. kind of was chosen for him. Yeah, so crazy stuff. Head. But yeah, and I tell you, as much as like. I, on my initial read, I didn't care for it too much, just because it came in and it it decimated the X Men, it changed everything. But I tell you what, that was one of those things. You know, how people talk about your comfort zone. It got me out of my comfort zone. Good, I'm glad it did. Yeah, that really did some stuff. And you're right. This what we're feeling with Hickman now. That was one of those moments back then. Huge. And speaking of Grant Morrison, like I I, w- I wish I could have said uh, a JLA 150 uh, for you know the the JLA that he started off. Uh, he only made it to I want to say twenty five issues, something like that. Something yeah, like that. Like he did a he did to that or thirty five issues. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and then uh, the Mark the book Wade the book and... itself only made it to one hundred and twenty five. Yeah, so we didn't even get to one hundred and fifty with that. I mean, obviously you could continue on where the book goes on, but like right. that specific JLA title yeah. was something different for me. Like you go going on because that's when I started reading I started reading at, at Grant Morrison's just JLA book not Are Justice League picked? of America but you go on and you read other Justice League of America books after that and it's not the same it's not the same feel it's just it, it has a different tone so he made the Justice League 
powerful again. He brought back the yes. original seven, and he made that book. Like I remember reading Wizard, <laughs> and he was like, "That book is gonna be your summer blockbuster," and it really was. Like if there wasn't an event going on, there was JLA going on. Yes. It was amazing. I mean, we got so many great moments out of it. Uh, one million. I one of my favorite stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I purposely went out of the way, and I've now completed JLA. I got all those issues. Nice. Yeah, I had to. That was such a beautiful, beautiful run of comics. I wish it could have made to 150. <laughs> bring it back. Chris, 150 for you, that your uh, last one. My last 150 that I'm going to bring up. I'm going to go to the X-Men tree as well. I'm going to go to Uncanny X-Men, or as it was called back then, just X-Men. X-Men. X-Men number one, 150. Sorry, X-Men volume one, number 150. Got it. I love this cover. Uh, it's often been said that the saga of the X-Men is really just the story of Scott Summers. And this is true. If you're wrong, <laughs> fight me, as some of our friends say. But the thing is, when you look at this cover, you see it's the X-Men versus Magneto, and it is Cyclops holding the line, just blasting away at Magneto. Storm is clutching Kitty as she's crying, and Kitty is just beat up bad. Costume is ripped, scratches and tears. But what I love about this issue, and this comes to us from Chris Claremont and Dave Cockrum is still the artist on this one. And uh, Joe Rubenstein is the artist on this one. I know he, he definitely, he's worked on some amazing stuff. But anyways, this one, this one pulled the stops for Magneto. Because if you ever go back and read the Claremont stuff, his Magneto was dangerous. And there's a quote here, and I love this. Magneto says, as a boy, I believed. As a boy, I turned my back on God forever. Kill me if you wish, Windrider. I will not stop you. Like, we can just see the pain that Magneto has lived through. You know, the Holocaust and everything. And now it's happening again with, you know, mutants and everything. And it was just wild stuff. Um like this issue set up so much because Magneto goes off the rails, you know, and at this point he's actually mad at the X-Men. Uh, he was turned into a baby. Like it was weird, <laughs> but he was literally turned into a baby. Moira McTaggart raised him. And then he eventually he was brought back to being young again and not like, I mean, so he still has his mental age, but his body is at 25. So now it's like, Oh my God, you're looking at a 25 year old Magneto coming at you. So in this issue, we got so much new stuff. Now we learn about Magda. So this is, you know, we're, we're learning more about her death and her life and everything like that. Um, Magneto is so angry that he actually sinks a sub because it's Magneto versus the world. Magneto gives the world an ultimatum. Give me all the power. Like, very wrong of him. I didn't say some of the power. Yeah, I said, oh. give me all <laughs> the power uh, and bacon and eggs. And so, anyways, he, he pulls it out on them, and he's just like, there you go. And that story is basically what leads to X-Men 200. So for the next 50 issues, they're dealing with the fallout of Magneto, and eventually Magneto winds up going before the world court. And then this even comes back again to X-Men Volume 2, Number 1, because, again, Magneto is at that point now where he is no longer just a threat. He is a global terrorist. And huge crazy stuff so again i just like i said you you've got me at that cover with cyclops holding the line you know as we just saw in house of x it will be done yep. you know cyclops is the ultimate believer of the dream and also looking at house of x issue two when we find out about moira's lives right yeah that reminds me of like i think it was like live number six or seven when she joins with magneto uh-huh. and it's the magneto versus the united states and it's the avengers and the x-men who take on magneto and stop him from destroying everybody yeah so i mean i think that's an interesting maybe call back in an alternate Probably, timeline yeah. like that like she decides like you know what maybe i'll give him a shot he he did a lot on his own what could he have done if people supported him yeah so i just think that's great it's classic 
stuff. This is very much that issue 150 is in the heart of what's going on with the X-Men, the, the Renaissance, you mm, know, just some right. amazing stuff. Uh, I mean, I wish I had some more to, to throw in there about X-Men. I, I don't, I don't have the, the knowledge. When does, when does beast show up? Um, I mean, I know he's there at the very beginning. Yeah. So, okay. Class. You're talking Harry Hank. Sure. Okay. Um, so Harry Hank, <laughs> that's a good nickname. That's a bad nickname. Don't say that out loud children. Uh, anyways, with that. So, the original, okay, so you had the original X-Men book, right? And it stunk. That was basically like the first one Stan and Jack kind of walked away from. Because <laughs> you're going to go to your high-profile stuff. I mean, Daredevil was carrying heavier than the X-Men were, which is totally cool. Like, I love Daredevil as well. And so, anyways, the book kind of got passed around here and there. Uh, it found itself being sent to being reprints. Well, obviously, the book can be sent to reprints. But the characters will still age with the rest of the Marvel Universe. So, like, you'd see Cyclops, Gene, uh, and Professor X. They joined Captain America to help fight the Secret Empire. Ah. Iceman and Angel would appear as defenders or or champions, stuff like that. Hank was actually the popular X-Man of the group. He got his own book. Steve Englehart, as I mentioned earlier, uh, he was writing, I think it was called Just Strange Adventures or My Strange Adventures. So he's writing the book, and that's the one where he tasks Beast with basically saying, you know what, I'm going to leave this superhero life, and I'm going to do my own thing. So he gets into genetic research, and he finds, he basically makes something that's either going to accelerate mutinism, or it's going to prevent it. And, of course, like any great scientist, who do you test on? You test on yourself. You test on yourself. Because the night he creates this thing is also the same night somebody's breaking in. So he drinks it, and bam, he's gray furry beast. So that happens probably like early 70s. Because, um, yeah, X-Men were created in 64, so I think they just barely made it to the 60s, like the tail end of the 60s. Um, and so anyway, so we get Furry Beast. Uh, he actually got carried over to Avengers. Why? Because Steve Englehart was finally going to pick up the Avengers, and he decided, hey, you know what? I liked what I did with Beast. I'm going to bring him over. Uh, why Beast is gray did not look good. He just looked horrible. Just like um, Hulk. Yeah, like it just looked bad. So they did black because, hey, that's cool. <laughs> but the blue highlights made it seem that it was blue fur. Right. Oh. So because of a colorist, because of the inking, that's what changed them to being blue. Um, so anyway, so yeah, so Beast, like he really, he was popular in the 70s. He got his his joint stint on the Avengers. Then they'd pull him into the X-Men, but the Avengers were like, hey, we're keeping this character. He stays in the world. <laughs> and of course, then you had the bromance between Wonder Man and, and Beast. But yeah, I'd say like 72 is ringing in my mind. Yeah. So yeah, 72 is when Beast really got some big stuff there. Uh, so for my last 150 is a character that we, well, is a name, a moniker that we all enjoy, we all like. Uh, but my uh, 150 is Green Lantern Volume 3, 150. Oh, that was a good one. That's going to be Kyle Rayner, though. Uh, oh. It's still okay. <laughs> uh, this is going to be essentially him giving up the ion power, re, re- yeah, the birthing the, 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 the Green Guardians. Lantern Corps, the Guardians, yeah, and uh, getting a new suit, a new outfit from Jim Lee. You know, he's going to get this... The infamous dog collar. Dog collar, green outfit, and Judd Winnick is writing him at the time. Uh, I, I want to say I really enjoyed the Ion stuff. Like, the idea... Like, I remember... I always come back to that that issue where uh, Superman shows up, and he's like, hey, uh, I need to talk to you for a little bit, Kyle. <laughs> People are kind of forming churches and worshiping you. And he's like, yeah, I'm all-powerful. People have churches dedicated to Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman. He's like, yeah, but... We've been at this for decades. Like, 
You're too young, kid. You, you just started being Green Lantern. You, you really, this really shouldn't be happening. You need to dial back on your power. Like something needs to happen here. And he, he just gets frustrated with him. He's like, I'm beyond you now. I, I have all this power. I am a god. And uh, But Kyle still being Kyle was like, yeah, I, my the artist in me needs to not be bogged down with I can be in multiple places at once. I need to, you know, and then the Terry stuff happens. Like the the yeah, other, you're all powerful but you can't protect the people you love. The people you love, the you know, the 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 young gay man who was learning from him to yeah. be to be an artist as well or you know, well, it was his assistant, his, his artist assistant, assistant, but he and he would never say that he was mentoring him, but he right. was mentoring yeah, him. Yeah, he basically was. But yes, he you know he's out and about with his uh, his boyfriend, his same sex boyfriend, and and uh, gets beaten in the street. You know, like the idea of something like that happening to someone you love when you're all powerful. I mean, this is there's shades of of Doctor Manhattan in this, like the idea yeah, that he's in really so is. many places at once. Like he can that. he can pretty much do anything he wants because yeah, he's not even just limited to Earth. He was out brokering world peace on another planet while he was trying to meet his deadline for feast magazine yeah i mean this i mean it's 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 his it's his his ring which was a special ring the torchbearer ring there was the power of ion the power of parallax yeah. the all the rest of the green lantern core and then the power of nero right yeah i think they did take nero's power as well and then was it also the stuff that was in the sun well that would have been parallax that would have been par- okay yeah. so i mean all that power in one person how does it change him? Eventually, he comes out and says, "No, I got to rebuild the Green Lantern Corps." So, that's I mean, Kyle's by my Green Lantern. He's always been my Green Lantern. It's where I started. Yeah. He, I, I started in the JLA book that we talked about mm-hmm. a second ago. But uh, yeah, so that, that's a that's a that's a milestone issue for me. Well, it was it was such a beautiful issue because one, I love the fact that they kind of they touched on the origins of all of them. Like back then, Green Lantern. It was in the rebuilding process. It wasn't rebirthing yet, but it was rebuilding. So like John Stewart and Guy Gardner were welcomed back to the book. Hal Jordan was a specter. He was allowed to make a guest appearance, and you didn't have to cringe when you said Hal Jordan. <laughs> Alan Scott was really doing a big job of mentoring. Uh, Kyle was dating Jenny. I loved that. And Jenny was Alan Scott's daughter, mm-hmm. uh, Jade. I loved that they, they had those two running around together. I thought it was great. Because that, that he gave Jenny back her Starheart powers. Yeah, he helped her. Instead of just having her a ring, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because he did give her a ring at first, and then eventually, once he became Ion, he's like, I'm powerful, and he, he gave her some powers there. Because she didn't complain DC, about it. You can something. use that to yeah. bring her back. <laughs> yeah, she, he say, she makes a comment about it. She's like, you know, using a ring is great and all, but it's not the same as when yeah, the power was me. in me. Yeah. 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 yeah, no, it was beautiful stuff. But the one thing I loved, because again, like I said, I, I wasn't a Kyle fan at first just because I was so heartbroken by what they did to Hal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way they did it was insane. But... Those issues, I, I started coming back. Like Ben Rab, I think was first. No, sorry, Judd Winnick came, and mm-hmm. um, once he came onto the book, he brought in a new positive energy. The covers were snazzy looking. I think Dell Eaglesham actually did the art mm-hmm. on a lot of those. And it was like I said, it was building. Green Lantern was getting bigger. It was no longer a man being an island. It was more. And I just thought it was so great because I love the fact that when Kyle had the power, because I don't know if you remember the issue, but they were they showed the two doors. And one of them was going back to the alleyway, and he's like, I don't have to do this. I can set myself free. But then another one was for Hal Jordan. He's like, I could help you. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go down that path. And here's Hal with the wisdom and the, you know, the wrath of God. And he's kind of, he paused for a second. Uh, And it's like, (laughs) I know this isn't, there's a path path for me. It's okay. Right. And he was like, wow. 
So these were just they were deep stories. I like, mean, to think, to think about the two those two characters, Hal Jordan and and Kyle Rayner being right. all powerful. They they are omni omni omniscience omnipotent. Omnipotent. There you go. There you go. Uh, I wanted to say omnipotent. <laughs> See, they should have used their powers to stop Trigon once and for all. <laughs> <laughs> what a random grab by Trigon. Because he is the ma- he's Satan of the DC universe to me. Fair. And okay. In my mind, yeah, no, he's, he's, a, he's a, yeah. <laughs> he's pretty powerful. I love <laughs> he's it. Pretty strong, especially during well, Halloween time. On. It's true there is neuron. <laughs> uh, but yes, so that that's my my one fifty issue, and that's all of our our choices there. So um, that's great. Oh, and let me plug something real quick. Cool. So uh, again, we always love to have our community involved, and uh, I I want to share stuff that I've got. So. If you're ever curious about a website or a comic book or something like that, don't be afraid to use the fandom databases. They're way better nowadays. There's a lot of great stuff in there. People can interact and put information as well. So I find myself using the Marvel database and the DC database a lot because it gives me the cover image, a lot of the people that are involved, and great pullouts. So I think those are fantastic items. So again, uh, I definitely would hype those up. I know the Walking Dead Wikipedia, that, that fan page, is amazing. Oh my God, it's great. Um, comic book database, comicbookdb.com. I would recommend you go there because there you can actually get up, uh, you can get all kinds of information on your favorite characters. So if, I, I recommend search by alter egos. So don't look up Superman, look up Clark Kent. Um, there obviously be multiverse versions of them, so you can do the best, learn about more of them. But it's great because they will have the year and appearance and all the comics that came out. So like, November of 1986, you can see all the issues that were there. And then there's ComicCruncher.com, ComicCruncher.com. So that one's really neat. You can just type in a character's name, and it'll tell you how many times they've appeared, and then it'll kind of give you some breakdowns, not specific ones, but some great stuff there. So those are just some sites that I want to share with you to go check it out. Like, endorse your comic book fanness. It's some great stuff. I mean, we want to thank you. We wouldn't be at 150 episodes if you guys weren't there. And we want to get you to take out your back issues and share your issues. The right kind. <laughs> and now you know uh, issue 150s are just as important as issue 100s and 200s, but here's to another 50 issues till we get to a 200, and we have to figure out what that's going to be about. <laughs> we'll talk about 200 <laughs> issues of comic books. <laughs> uh, okay, so if you want to talk to me about any of these stories uh, or issues that we talked about, you can find me on Twitter. I am at Mitchipedia, G-E-M. G-E-M stands for Geekly Media. You can find Chris on Twitter at... Stuff I should say should being spelled S-H-U-D. And the and you can find his writing. Oh, yes. If you want to read some of my comic reviews or things like that, I am over at Adventures in Poor Taste. So definitely check them out. They've got some fun stuff there. But check out my reviews. Get me those clicks. <laughs> I kid. But get me the clicks. <laughs> Rafa, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter as Mobile Rafi, where I talk about all kinds of different things. And on YouTube, you like action figures, you want to hear some cool stuff, I'm also there as Mobile Rafi, your entertainment on the go. And expect more articles from both of them on our website, geekelitemedia.com, where you can find archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Media Network. The rest of Geek Elite Media is at Geek Elite Media on Twitter, at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. But until next time, this is Imagine If on the Geek Elite Media Network saying, always remember to geek out. This concludes our broadcast. 